Hello and welcome to EFC Soccer Talk's third Europod. Today we'll be reviewing all the action from the group stages, looking ahead to the round of 16 and reviewing our predictions from the start of the tournament. Safe to say, none of us appear to be psychic. I'm Charlie Rockliffe and joining me today is a prominent member of the Goalkeepers Union and the only man in the world who thought Martin Dubravka was not at fault for that horrific Slovakia own goal. It's Michael the Ox. <laughs> oh, how are we doing everyone? All good, all good. Joining us today as well is a man who is so confident of England's chances that he's already had England Euro 2020 champs tattooed on his neck. It's Dan Sev 7. It is true. And for those with uh, the video footage right now, you'll see me sat in the city ground with said tattoo. <laughs> I didn't know until now that we released this video footage to anyone. So uh, that's good to know. <laughs> Three pods in. Um, right, let, let's jump straight into it. We, like I said, we're going to go through the groups. Um, We'll start, as you'd expect, with Group A. All three of us had Italy winning this group. That's exactly how it turned out. Italy got three wins, didn't concede a goal to get nine points. Wales and Switzerland both got four points and will be joining them in the knockout stages. And Turkey went out with no points and one goal. Ox, I'll turn to you. What have we learned other than Italy look just as good as we expected? That Turkey are rubbish. We thought they could be rubbish, but they are rubbish. Um yeah, I think we spoke about it in the first podcast that there'd be always a chance for them to pull up and you know pull up a few trees, cause an upset or two with a young squad. Uh, but ultimately, they they were they were useless. And I think I remember in commentary they were saying that they were really solid defensively um, in in qualifying, and then that just seemed to completely evaporate in the tournament. Um, but yeah, all the focus really had to be on Italy. I think we said in the first one that. It would have to take something special for Italy not to qualify at a canter, and that's exactly what they've done. And I actually think you said, Charlie, that before going into this Euros, in episode one, Italy had never scored more than two goals in a, in a European Championship game. They did. And, and then they went and did it, well, scored three twice, back-to-back. So uh, they def- definitely turned a corner on that front. Yeah, maybe look like the right four. Any thoughts from you, Steph, about Italy or the rest of that group? Just the rubbish rest of the group, wasn't it? Like, it- Italy aren't to me, they're not a fantastic team. They're, they're well organised, wow. they look good. But to me, I know everyone, everyone's kind of jumping on this Italy hype train. I, I just see it as they've counted through a particularly weak group. Um, possibly the weakest of all the groups. Well, we can discuss that a little more. I know it might not be your take, Chad. <laughs> a, a pretty weak group overall, that one. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about it with other groups, but it is quite hard to tell with some teams sometimes whether they're really good, whether they've had an easy group whether they're not so good or they've had a tough group. I guess to the natural point there is, do you then, do you see Wales or Switzerland doing much in this tournament? Do you see them as round of 16 teams or, you know, where's, where's the limit for them, would you say? Um, well, looking at the draw, that's that's the key part, isn't it? So uh, Wales have got themselves a, a winnable game. Um, I, I don't think they're necessarily, you know, one of the 16 best teams in, in Europe, but they could, quite easily find themselves in the last eight here or maybe even the the semi-finals again depending what happens with the Netherlands on the you know the other corner of their their quarter of the bracket and um who's the other one from that group Switzerland Switzerland so memorable you couldn't remember them yeah there you go so, well they've got uh, France so they're they're screwed well we'll come to that we'll come oh, to that you oh, here we go you were at the start of this podcast. You were saying, "Oh, I haven't got any hot takes for this podcast," and now you're saying that Switzerland can trouble France. This is outrageous. Well, I'm very excited that we will get to that. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound and it doesn't really surprise me that there's not a lot to talk about with, with Group A with how easy it was. I have to say, I found Group B a little bit more interesting. That's the group that was won by Belgium. Again, they they got nine points. Denmark joining them going through that fantastic climax to that group as they got three points. Finland and Russia also got three points, but won't be joining them in the uh, in the knockout round. And the interesting thing for this group is both Seven and I did have Denmark to win it when we did the predictions. Obviously, there's a large caveat there with what happened in the first game against Finland and Christian Eriksson, uh, who fortunately continues to recover. I guess the two questions that come for me out of this group is, number one, are Belgium the real deal? And number two, uh, did Denmark have some momentum? Are they going to go? a bit further into this tournament with everything that's happened and where they are now. I think it's it's difficult to, to tell with, with, with Denmark. I think the the table doesn't really tell the full story for me. I think in, in the normal circumstance, I mean, I guess the ultimately the final positions do, but in terms of the fact that, that Denmark only had one win, um, 
I think in, in normal circumstances and without what happened with Ericsson, they would probably go on to, to, to win that game with Finland relatively easily, albeit nil-nil at the time. Um, yeah, Finland and Russia were pretty poor. Denmark ultimately qualifying because of those two late goals in their 4-1 win against Russia. Um, but I think if you're if you're a national team, and admittedly he's not been particularly fit for the past couple of years or in the, in the best of form, but if you're a national team and, a kind of, and can afford to keep Eden Hazard on the bench and bring him on as a rotation option in the third game, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, joint top scorers, Belgium. Uh, Lukaku's got three goals. Kevin De Bruyne is now back fit. Um, Portugal next in the last 16. Um, that's an intriguing game. And then potentially Italy if they get past Austria as well. So um, I don't think you can read too much into Belgium because, again, it's similar to Italy in the sense that we expected them to win this group relatively comfortably. And they've done just that. Have they surpassed our expectations and how they've done it? Not really. But equally, if they're meeting expectations which were which were high, then that's only a good thing. Yeah, just to, to jump in on that real quick as well. I think um, the Belgium doing that well without Hazard in those those games, basically, and he started the the final game, uh, I guess, just to get a few minutes under his belt and. Didn't look phenomenal, um, whereas De Bruyne did. He looked like he kind of picked up from from where he was, as as, as you mentioned. But um, yeah, if, if that's how they want to kind of use Hazard moving forward, someone like that to come off the bench, it's they're in a in a great spot. Um, and I, you know, definitely be looking at them as one of the teams that can do some serious damage in this tournament. If not, you know, finally getting that European Championships win under their belt. Would you have any concerns around their defence? I guess it's not really been tested yet. Obviously, in Courtois, they've got uh, one of the world's best keepers, but, you know, they've lost just Tanya already in this tournament. The, the back line, we talked about it a bit, is a bit old. Would you worry at all that they might struggle a bit when they're perhaps tested a bit more? Yeah, for sure. I think there's, there's so many of them questions over a lot of these teams at this point. Now, I know we've still got the other groups to rattle through, but we could say the same thing. I know the Italians are known for their defending, but they've, they've not been tested in, in any way, really. I mean, um, the, the best player they've played against is probably, you know, the, a, a slow Gareth Bale at this point, and he rarely should have scored against him. He had a, a pretty big chance, the volley that he put, you know, 10 yards over the bar from about eight yards out. Um other days he sticks that in the back of the net and we're not talking about Italy as the defensive powerhouse that, that they're currently seen as. So I think, you know, up against a stronger team with a bit more quality, they could struggle. I think, yeah, similarly, we're, we're going to find out that the big question here, and I know, we'll, as I mentioned, we'll come to Group F, is those three teams that have come out of Group F are obviously very tested at this point, having played against each other, three of the biggest teams in the tournament. Now, will that hinder them? Um, having already had too many tough games or will that help them now that they go up against the, for example, Portugal in the next round up against Belgium. Um, does that favour Portugal? Cause they've, you know, they're, they're ready because they've played two really strong opponents already, yeah. or, or, you know, does it favour Belgium? It will be very interesting to see how that one plays out for sure. But that might be, I mean, there's, there's two standout games in there in the next round, but that might be the pick of the bunch for the, for the neutral. Yeah, it's a, it's a different type of football almost trying to just get through that group, particularly with the format now where, you know, four of six third-place teams go through and suddenly it's it's all or nothing, really, when it comes to this knockout stage. Yeah. Just going to the point about the, the whole defensive piece of Belgium, again, this is just overarching stats. It's not going to go into the quality of the chances or the players that are going against, but uh, Courtois has made the same number of saves uh, as Pickford, Donnarumma and uh, Simon in the Spanish goal combined. So, yeah, Courtois made seven saves in that group. And you have to bear in mind that both Germany and France in that group of death as a whole, their goalkeepers have made fewer saves than Belgium. Yeah, so it goes to show this perspective that. Yeah, it's going to be a, perhaps a little bit of vulnerability there, as you say, and with the ageing defence. But I think, you know, with Lukaku in the form that he is in and the, as we said, the luxury of of uh, Eden Hazard as a bench option and the return to form and fitness of Kevin De Bruyne at Belgium. Belgium, for me, is certainly a threat. OK, let's, we're probably going to repeat ourselves a bit here with the makeup of this next group as well, but it's the last of the teams to get three wins at three. It was the Netherlands, who we talked about at the start of this tournament, 
we didn't really fancy them. I certainly didn't really fancy them as something great. So they got through with nine points. Austria joining them in second place with six points. Ukraine, uh, either the fifth or the sixth of those, sorry, third or the fourth of those four teams who got through from third place, they got three points. North Macedonia going home with no points and goals and some great memories, but, but not joining us for the rest of the tournament. Um, we can start really anywhere with this group. I think the big question going forward for me is have the Netherlands convinced? And then um, I also wonder with the format here, I don't feel like Ukraine should be going through really when I think about it. I don't think they're much of a team and all they've done is beat North Macedonia and come on through to the round of 16 feels a bit a bit odd to me. I will say but, Seth had Ukraine winning this group when we originally predicted it, <laughs> uh, which seems strange at the time and seems stranger now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was expecting the wheels to come off with uh, with Netherlands. Um I'm a little underwhelmed still by them. They've scored, scored a few goals, but I, I don't see him. Well, I was going to finish that sentence by saying I don't see him going too far. But as it turns out, they've ended up in this particular quarter of the draw where they could actually end up strolling through to the semi-finals without really getting truly tested. Um, you know, yeah. a la England World Cup 2018. Um, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. I do want to clarify that I also had Austria winning this group, so I shouldn't just throw you in it and not, not right, put myself yeah, down there. That. Maybe we should we turn to the man who... At the moment from North Macedonia. Yeah. At least. Let's turn to our own ageing superstar, Aaron Goran Pandavaxi. Um, <laughs> you predicted this group exactly as it was. You went Netherlands, Austria, Ukraine, North Macedonia. Did this play out as you thought it would? Did you think Netherlands would sort of coast the group? It's so obvious, wasn't it? No, uh, it's, it's, this is this is going to be strange to say, but it's when you have a team who's got nine points out of nine at the top goal scorers in the tournament so far, to suggest that they are underwhelming, it sounds ridiculous, but it's pretty accurate to me. We said in uh, after they played Ukraine, they were two 0 up. Uh, they got it, you know, threw away two goals and went went on to win it late on. Again, I think with some poor Ukrainian goalkeeping in that. Squeezed past Austria in a pretty pretty even game for the most part. Even gave up possession to Austria. I think Austria kept 56% or something of the ball during that game. Um, and then North Macedonia, which, you know, if you're in the Netherlands, you have to win that game. So so three wins, yes, but not in a particularly, not in a manner of an Italy, for example, who have, you know, at no point did you think that they were under any threat. The Netherlands certainly showed that they were vulnerable in places. But again, nine points, eight goals, top goal scorers. Um, and on a nice side of the draw, you know, to get to the to get to the semi-finals of this, they have to beat the Czechs, and then they'd have to beat either Wales or Denmark, and that's a pretty achievable task. Both games, a, a pretty achievable task. Yeah. But equally, I think those games, particularly the Czechs, I think that the Czechs showed a little bit of a little bit of something, not particularly great, but I think the Czechs certainly showed more than than Ukraine and potentially even Austria, who. Uh, from that group. So it could be interesting to see. And as we said, you know, we're not particularly, speaking of underwhelming, we've got a pretty underwhelming manager and an underwhelming squad. So uh, interesting to see if they can keep this momentum going. Yeah. And so let, let's let's move on and talk about perhaps another underwhelming group winner, uh, England. <laughs> um, so England got through Group D with, with seven points, didn't concede a goal. Um, Croatia also joining them through with four points. Czech Republic through with four points. Scotland going home uh, with just one point after their big 0-0 win over England. Um, let's just <laughs> take a moment to talk about Scotland and, and the dark forces of Scotland as uh, you put them set, putting them through to the quarterfinals. Uh, what went wrong? What went wrong for Scotland? A lot went wrong for Scotland, you could say. They, uh, you know, pr pretty toothless in attack and... Uh, yeah, just just not solid enough. Aside from the the England game, where England didn't really, you know, they didn't throw everything into that game. I think it's it's fair to say England were, were kind of not going all out. Um, you know, in, in desperate search of a goal, they didn't, didn't really test Scotland that much, and, and Scotland were well up for that game. And uh, in, in the other two, where I guess there's not the uh, element of the the local derby. Situation, they uh, they came undone, conceding five goals in those two games, and if you concede in more than two a game, you, you're going to struggle. Um, they did, however, keep up their 100% uh, record of mix 
scoring all of Scotland's goals <laughs> in European Championship history with uh, McGregor getting the goal against Croatia. There you go. Couldn't stop McModric playing that game, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, what a goal that was. What a, a goal that was. Goal. I think, you... I think sorry, I just think Scotland's, yeah, just a lack of firepower. They missed some good, good chances against the Czechs. Um, and I think even there... I think it might have even been Andy Robertson before the game against Croatia said, yeah, we just need somebody to step up and put the ball in the back of the net. Which, if you're a Scotland striker, you're basically being told by your captain and best player, like, you need to do better for us to qualify. And ultimately, they didn't create anything too clear-cut against England, I don't think. Pickford's made a great save from uh, Stephen O'Donnell. Um, XG would reflect that as well, right, Chad? It sure would. Well, Scotland, <laughs> Scotland had the sixth most attempts. In the group stage now, obviously, an attempt can be anything from you know two yards out to to you know speculative thirty-five yard effort. But yeah, I think I'd agree with what's been said there, and I think I would also say that the wild card in this group has maybe been the Czech Republic, who not just ourselves on this pod, but a lot of people thought wouldn't really do anything, and instead, you know, they've gone through with four points and a, and a through. Um, I guess before we turn to England, looking. Czech Republic and Croatia again are those two teams that you would say can maybe do something in this tournament or again are they these sort of teams that you think they're there they make the round of 16 but maybe that's about the, the limit for them um, yeah I guess I'll, I'll jump in on that one first I think it, two interesting games I guess we'll, we'll get more in depth there but I actually think they're, they're two teams that we I guess more so in Croatia's case here started slow and, and started to kind of turn it on a little bit as the as they grow into the tournament. They've they've got quality in their squad, maybe not as much as they've had in recent years. A lot of the players, you know, the better players are, you know, those few years older at this point, which which can make a negative difference in this case, but maybe that experience will will counter that. Um, maybe the experience of getting all the way through to the, the World Cup final would would help them through their their next very tough, big game. Um, similarly with the Czech, again, I guess that's the, the matchup with Netherlands. And uh, they're pretty untested. And I think Czech could give them quite a few issues in this one. Again, it feels it feels strange. You've got the top scorers and the team with nine points against a team who have scored four points and, and scraped through in third. And for me, that's a game I, at this point, can't call. Because um, again, I think I think Czechs, the Czech showed again. I don't want to to cover too much on England now, but in the game against England, the Czechs certainly showed glimpses of what they can do. Um, yeah, and threatened England at times when England had been otherwise. I think against Croatia and Scotland for the most part relatively comfortable. I think the Czechs were the most impressive of the two teams that we played against, albeit the occasion against Scotland. So. Um, if they can, if they can go up another level or two, I, I can, I can, I can see them beating the Netherlands, honestly. Okay, well, let's turn to England then. Obviously, there've been questions over Southgate's team selection, questions over perhaps not the most attacking tactics. There've been question over Harry Kane in particular, how much he's contributing to the team, and and really with the news that's come out today, I think they both really should be sent home from the tournament given that the two of them together have arranged for Ed Sheeran to come and play some songs for the group. I mean, that just <laughs> doesn't feel like motivation going into a, uh, a round of 16. You know, if they're bringing Ed Sheeran in this time, who on earth are they going to bring in in the court? Of How final? awkward would that be, by the way? So you're telling me that they've got Ed Sheeran to play yep. to 26 laps. Why? I don't know. I mean, this is the one thing where you think that Chilwell and Mount isolate, and they're the lucky ones. <laughs> they can't go. Uh, uh, so anyway, no, in weird. all seriousness with England, like say it's we talked about this in a previous pod. We said after the the, the first win of the of the tournament for England that maybe we should just stop and be happy and say you've won a game and not question it. Throw into that uh, a nil-nil draw with a Scotland team who we've seen haven't been able to trouble the other two teams in the group. Um, and then that one-nil win against uh the Czech Republic as well. You're looking at that, that's either a thoroughly professional job, some would say, others would say. Uh, again, perhaps a bit underwhelming. Um, really, it's, it's you know, for, for three Englishmen on the, on the chat, we could talk about this for hours, but to maybe try and sum it up in a couple of minutes, how confident are you in that, that England are, are maybe in that top tier of teams in this tournament, can maybe go on and trouble, trouble teams, particularly given, as we'll talk about later, the draw that they've been handed in in the round of 16? Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll jump in quickly on this one then. I think I'm, I'm somewhere between the uh, the feel of 
professional performance yet underwhelming at the same time. I think, you know, as you've alluded to a little bit there as well, I think that kind of starts with the way the team's set up or, or even just the team selection in itself. There's fans and, and media um, in England calling for a, a pretty different looking lineup. And yet, England have got through the group with seven points without conceding the goal, without ever truly feeling threatened in any of the three games to me. Um, Scotland, probably the toughest challenge. But again, as we mentioned before, when talking about Scotland, England didn't throw much into that game. They had a, a, couple of, a couple of chances in the first half. Scotland had a couple of efforts themselves, but that was one of those that meant everything to them. That they put absolutely everything into that game and you, and you could tell and I guess the disappointing thing from an England fan point of view is that it didn't seem to mean as much to us but also that point was enough that it put us into the next round um, so again I, I'd lean more towards the professional side of it because we got the job done of exactly what we needed out of the games would have been nice to put in a more exciting performance in, in one of them um, but if we had gone and you know, hit Scotland for three or four. Um, then, you know, maybe the fans are getting a little bit too excited about England right now and, and expecting us to go on and win it rather than being pleasantly surprised if we, we scrape our way past Germany in the next round. Yeah, Alex, have you got anything you'd add to that? Yeah, it's tournament football. You don't, you know, you play, you know, the commentators are saying during the game, you know, England played to Republic at Wembley and beat them 5-0. Yes, yeah, a qualifier. It's a different. It's completely irrelevant. In this, you don't. You can win a group game five nil. You can win a group game one. Even in, even qualifying to be fair, but you can win a group game five nil or win a group game one nil. You're going to get the three points and you're going to get the job done. There's no point in the group stage if you're comfortable going for that second, third, fourth goal or expending energy trying to play expansive counter-attack in fast football. Get the goal. Don't concede. Qualify. And build, and I think the blueprint's there. So let me play devil's advocate here, and by that I mean let me just give you my own opinion. Would you not say that England, in never trying to push, I would say at no point in this game, in these three games, have they ever tried to push for the second goal, or in that Scotland game, even really tried to push for that first goal? Do you not put yourself in a position where what if you do go one nil down to Germany? Is this a team that's practiced enough for how to attack and for how to break teams down? Or is it a fact that you are just looking to... Is Southgate... And it's we've talked about acceptable tactics and the idea of attractive football versus what actually works. It's acceptable to play for nil-nil draws and play for penalties. Is that the sort? Is that what England are looking to do to get through this tournament? Or do, do the shackles ever come off England for them to try and play some attacking football in this tournament, given that sort of roster of big names up front who can do things? I guess you can look at that a number of ways as well, though, right? If uh, if we rarely go out and, and push for that second goal and, and we get a second, maybe even a third against Czech in that last game, does that make us feel you know more certain that we're going to get past Germany if we concede the first goal? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think like you look at the games in, in isolation and I think if Germany go 1-0 up against us, I think as the tournament stats reflected um, in the game, I think they were putting that up in the top corner after Hungary went 1-0 up in the game. There were uh, only two teams at that point had come back to win from being a goal down. Um, and then there were 26 teams that held on to the win. I think only three draws have been rescued. So the first goal is, uh, you know, massive at, at, at this point. And maybe that's just part of the plan for Southgate, keep things tight. Keep, make sure that we're confident in what we're doing at the back and we've got enough talent where the, you know, we, we will get something going forward. And I've previously speculated that playing against a better team could actually favour England. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you know the likes of Croatia and the Czech Republic and Scotland throughout that entire group, yeah, they, they show glimpses at times, but nothing particularly overly threatening. Um, and I think the way that against the Czechs in particular, the, when the Czechs push, push forward, the Czechs had probably more of the, um, than Scotland and, and Croatia, more of the kind of controlling periods of the game where they were pushing forward and on the front foot. And when England were able to break at speed and, and counter-attack quickly, they looked infinitely more threatening than when they were just plodding the ball around and keeping the ball for ages. So against Germany, looking forward to that game, you know, if Germany do, do attack and they've got 
you know, threatening wing, wing backs and, uh, you know, just an all round dangerous side on paper. If they are, you know, do leave some, some spaces at the back and the likes of, you know, Sterling, uh, Grealish, Saka, whoever it might be playing up front can exploit that. Um, then England could maybe get one or two more goals than they, they would otherwise playing against a team who are set up to basically just defend for most of the game. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. So, yeah, again, I think England possibly fall into that thing. But I don't personally think this was a particularly strong group. I think Czech Republic were a team where you mark the striker out the game, the informed striker, they don't create a lot. Uh, Croatia were a team where you mark Modric out the game and they don't create a lot. For some reason, Scotland decided to give him 10 yards of space at all times and he ran the game. <laughs> and I honestly think, and this is not an English-Scottish thing, I do think Scotland are one of the poorest teams in this tournament. But that's enough talking about England. Let's move on to Group E. Group E, I just want to run through some stats. I know up to you're often down in stats corner and you love this sort of stuff. Spain attempted 2,400 passes, 88.3% pass accuracy, and controlled 68% possession in their games. Sweden, meanwhile, had just 35% of possession, completed 606 passes with a 66% accuracy. Yet Sweden are going through top with seven points, followed by Spain with five points, Slovakia and Poland going home with three points and one point each. So, first of all, there's a there's two things to talk about in this group. Have Spain figured it out? Have they looked much better? You know, to win five million your five, uh, final game is a, a great thing. And I would say, are, are Sweden really now coming into this as a proper threat for, for bigger teams, given how they've sort of really got through this group in a bit of style? You have to bear in mind as well that when, when Sweden, obviously they got that, that crazy nil-nil draw, which you were raving about, Chad, with something like 20% possession, like defend to, 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 to qualify and get the points that you need. Even against Slovakia, they only had 40% possession. So we were speculating previously that what a defensive tactic that Sweden were showing, and hopefully using the likes of Alexander Isak on the counter-attack, could that work out? Um, yes, it was a penalty that got them past Slovakia, but again, won the game, 40% possession. Uh, late showing against Poland in that crazy 3-2 game uh, to qualify. And actually, that, that, that late goal is, is massive for them. Puts them on the, on the nicer side of the draw. Um, a relatively favourable draw on paper against Ukraine in the last 16. Yes, it would be one of England or Germany after that. But again, they have the, the track record of playing against Spain and defending. And, you know, who's, to, who's not to say that they get past Ukraine and then put in another nil-nil draw against either England or Germany and win on penalties and yeah. and go all the way. Why not? Yeah, and I think looking back at this, each of the three of us predicted a group that would go Spain, Poland, Sweden, Slovakia. So, as you say there, Sweden have been very good. Poland have been very disappointing for me. You know, I said they'd be my dark horse. I put them reaching the semifinals. And the thing for me is Sweden <laughs> have been the team I expected Poland to be. I expected them to be very organised, and then have a, have a real top outlet at the top in Lewandowski. That's turned out to be a second and Forsberg, certainly in that, that last game for, for Sweden. But Poland were atrocious. I mean, they just looked uncoached and unorganised. And, and certainly watching that Sweden game, the, the tactic for the whole game was just try and find Lewandowski. There wasn't really a plan to, to open, you know, a, a good defensive team up. I don't know if you've got anything to add on Sweden or Poland or even Slovakia. So before we turn to, to Spain, who are really the big name in this group. Yeah, I mean, all, all I'd add there, I mean, uh, Spain kind of turned the style on a little bit at the end there. And, and obviously I know they've always been a heavily possession-based side. Um, and as they say, I guess, style wins fans, right? But defence wins championships. I'm sure that's come from a famous basketball coach somewhere. Um, Sweden <laughs> pretty solid um, defensively for the first couple of games, but then did get opened up from when they were in, already in a comfortable position against Poland. So I don't know if I'm quite as big on on uh, how solid Sweden are defensively. Uh, of course, it was Lewandowski, pretty unanimously the best centre forward in the world. Um, but it was a very weak Poland side that managed to, you know, get him in front of goal. A few times he did did of course miss the uh, that double sitter right hitting the bar twice in that sure did yeah that was impressive well so again may, maybe not quite as big on Sweden but as you mentioned the next round um, you, you would be picking them to to win that game and then from there it's it's kind of who knows what can you know what can happen 
Yeah, on so, Spain, just yeah. quickly, so on, on Spain, uh, I, I was watching the, the Sweden-Poland game. I only saw the highlights of, uh, sorry for the second half, only, I saw the first half of, of Spain-Slovakia. And it was, uh, they, they didn't set the world alight for me. I, uh, it's just, it's possession-based stuff, isn't it? And after that, after Dubravka punched the ball into his own net, basically, uh, Slovakia didn't look like they want to be there anymore. And Spain had the... The easiest day at European Championships they'll ever have, I think. And, um... Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think obviously you've got that that nightmarish own goal, and then Slovakia sort of capitulated. There is the the, the highlight of this game probably is Alvaro Morata being substituted off, having missed a penalty, and before he's even made it down the tunnel, his replacement Ferran Torres scored with his first touch. So <laughs> there's, there's, I feel I do feel for Morata. He obviously is a good player, and he's a a top level player, but it, it's not clicking for him. And he's do you been, believe that? He's not. He's not a world class striker, but he you, is. A, you've been slating him. I do. All the tournament. Yeah, I don't think he's good enough to lead the line for a country like Spain. He'd be great if he was in that Scottish team. He'd be great if he was in a Slovakia team. He's just not. I he's prefer Shay Adams. He's a top level striker. Then you are bonkers. He's a top <laughs> level striker in terms of he should be playing at the top level. I don't know if he's a Juventus, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, however many big teams he's played for at this point for $250 million of cumulative transfer fees. He's got a great agent. He sure does. So let's let's, let's move on before we go really down that Morata corridor and talk about the, the dreaded group of death, Group F. So that was France topping the group with five points, Germany through second with four points, Portugal third also going through with four points, and Hungary going home with two points. That's the order I predicted the group in. I think when we came to predict those groups, it was just a case of, um, it was so tight. Everybody actually went for a different concoction of this and sort of went for that way. I just picked, I remember I said, I'm not doing this scientifically. I'm just picking it on which I think is the strongest squads. <laughs> and when Germany played that first game, I thought I've really, really, you know, uh, not done any, uh, any good stuff here. But what I didn't predict was Hungary really putting up a fight and, and really creating something of this tournament. So before we go through to, to the three teams that are, are moving on, I think it's probably worth saying that Hungary really went for this and played some good football. And, and you know, right up until sort of, I think, the final 15 minutes of this group, they were going through. So it's a bit of a shame that we won't be seeing more of that. Yeah, there was, it's also worth noting because this one will easily get look, overlooked, um, you know, as people look back on the the results of this tournament. But that three 0 Portugal game, Hungary were were very solid for the first eighty three minutes of that game. There were yeah. no real Portugal chances, and then after they scored, I guess Hungary tried to throw everything back at them and, and obviously left themselves far too open, um, conceded two more late goals and the score ends up being very flattering for Portugal. So they weren't a rollover in that first game is the point there. And then they, they ground out the, the draw after going uh, one nil up against France and very unlucky not to get the win against Germany. They were definitely up against it in that game, but had the lead twice. And um, yeah, I, I think they kind of deserved something from this tournament. They deserved a, another game at least. And, and for a yeah. long time, during this game yesterday, it did look like they were getting their next game against England, which uh, we would have been delighted with, I think. Well, on As that it. note then, let me ask the question I've got written in my notes, which simply says in three words, and I'll address this to you, Ox, are Germany good? <laughs> uh, yes, I think so. Um, okay. they've, they've shown glimpses of it. It's one of those groups that was always inherently going to be quite cagey. The, the France-Germany game in the first game of yeah, I think it. I know it's your biggest. You're the biggest fan of this, Chad. It was like a half a goal XG for the entire thing, or something like that. It was just the drab affair, just, just terrible. Like, not terrible, but just cagey football. And Germany lost courtesy of an own goal to France, who many tipped to win the tournament. So you could say that's unlucky. Against Portugal, I mean, don't get me wrong. Germany weren't particularly good, but neither were France. Against Portugal, they've shown, you know. Sparks, you know, great counter-attacking football. Kimmich and Gosens on the wing-backs are particularly threatening. Um, and then against Hungary, for whatever reason, it was a, it was a difficult affair. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to fully watch the game. Um, but if you just look at it on paper, 2-2 two, two draw with Hungary, if you're a German fan, that's, 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 that's terrible, especially, especially coming from behind to, to get the draw as well. Um, they've got quality on paper. You can't, you can't look past that. Um, 
would many of their players on current form get into a, like a select 11 of the European Championships? I mean, maybe Neuer aside, possibly not. But equally, they, they do still have that quality to, to, to really upset anyone on the day and have that big tournament experience, at least some of the players do. So I think they are a good team. I just think this group was always going to be inherently cagey. Um, so, yeah, I, they've got more to come, but they need to show it and they need to show it fast. Otherwise, they could be in a, a lot of trouble against England. Hopefully they don't show it too fast. <laughs> and I mean, for the for the other two teams in this group, I'll turn to Portugal next. Let's work our way up this group. Um, let's talk about Ronaldo. Ronaldo is the top goal scorer in this tournament. He's got five goals. No one else has got more than three. Three of his goals have been penalties. Another one came in the 92nd minute versus Hungary. Again, do, what do we think about Portugal? I think to the point you were just making, Arts, it's, quite difficult to understand for the teams coming out of this group how good they are are you know that game against France was an entertaining one they obviously came through strong late against Hungary um Serbia what, what, what are you feeling about Portugal do you feel like they're a team that can, can threaten this tournament again because they started slow last time and, and came through to win it yeah um there's a lot of experience in that team there are a lot of game winners in that team and my feelings not really changed on them as far as uh, they're not necessarily the most well I was about to say they're not the most exciting to watch they've actually been been involved in three pretty uh, pretty fun games there um, <laughs> a 2-3 draw a 4-2 loss and then a 3-0 win in the end but um, yeah it's not the first team you think of when you know as far as entertainers and that you need to sit down in front of the TV and watch but I don't know they just find a way to, to get the job done um, and I would be very concerned if I was you know playing Portugal next I, I was having a hard time as I asked the question, for whatever reason, asked the question many times yesterday, who would I rather face for, from an England point of view, Portugal or Germany in the next round? And lent a little more towards thinking Germany might be the slightly more favourable game for uh, for England at Wembley. Just feel like Portugal, yeah. just a few too many game winners and, and a lot of experience there. I think they'll give serious problems to anyone moving forward. I disagree, personally. I, I, as an England fan, I personally would much rather play Portugal. Now, I, I, now my, here's my point, and there's a few ifs and buts in here, okay? That is a stonewall penalty by, that France should have been awarded late on in that game, France versus Portugal, okay? Let's assume that's given, let's assume that's scored, okay? Sev, you were just mentioning there that Portugal, you know, were very fortunate to get three goals against Hungary. Yeah. Okay, let's say they only got one goal against Hungary and that penalty against France was given, which is a stonewall. Portugal are out of the tournament. To be fair, though, the other French penalty was not a penalty in a month of Sundays where Mbappe felt a slight <laughs> breeze and threw himself off the pitch. Yeah, so ba balance back out there. You know. But also, hold on, you've just changed two results to knock Portugal out. Just to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, no, why but I, it's why I feel that Ireland could go a long way in this tournament if we I've, just change a few results. I've changed. <laughs> I've, I've awarded a penalty, which was a Stonewall penalty, and I've speculated that you said, Sev, that Hungary were very, very good and perhaps a 3-0 result for Portugal, flatten them on the day. So what, what I'm getting at is they've got, they've got, yes, they've scored seven goals. Yes, three of them against Hungary, three of them are penalties. There's, they would I, have gone through still as the fourth best place team. Fourth best third place team, even in that case. <laughs> With a minus two goal well, before scored more than Finland in year. Before we turn this into a, a full-on maths chat, which is what our <laughs> resident accountant wants, um, let's, let's briefly talk about France top of that group uh, five points top to tough group as we've said obviously we'll be disappointed with their results against Hungary um, I had them in Italy as my, my top two for this tournament uh, I'm not so sure about France now um, it, it's, it's hard to tell exactly where they're going I'm wondering I know Ox you were very high on them as well um, do you still think France are the real deal for this I think so I think so um... As you, as you said, you know, the likes of you know, Portugal, France and Germany now have all ultimately qualified. They've had experience playing against each other, i.e. playing against con real contenders. And it was always going to be, as we speculated that the format of this group would always suit the, um, these, these teams in the sense that, yes, they're playing against difficult opposition, but all three of them, because Hungary are in the group, will ultimately go through because of the whole third place thing. Obviously tighter than we thought. Um, France have so many game winners on paper. And now, kind of, you know, early rounds of a boxing fight, just kind of feeling out the, the, the other yeah. contenders. Um, and then as they get into the knockout stage, 
things will start to open up for them a little bit now. Um, I think they've got Switzerland next up, a game which you'd fancy them to win. Um, potentially, you know, spicy one against Spain if Spain were to get past Croatia. Um, they are on the top on the tougher side of the draw, but I think they've got part of the argument for France at the start of the tournament is the quality of their squad and the ability of their of their game winners. That's not changed for me, even if they've been a little bit cagey in an inherently uh, cagey group. Well, let's have a look at that then. You're talking through some of the, the knockout rounds. Let's, let's stop looking back and, and start looking forward. And we've talked about this a bit of there's a, there's a nasty side of the draw and there's a nice side of the draw. Let's let's start with that nasty side of the draw. All I want from you two here, Sev, I'll come to you, then Ops, I'll come to you. I'm going to read you these fixtures. One word, no explanation. Who's going through from that game? I don't care if it's nil-nil on penalties. I don't care if it's a 4 nil win. So game one, Sev, who's going through? Belgium or Portugal? Portugal. Uh, Belgium for me. Simple stuff. Italy and Austria. Italy. Italy. France and Switzerland. Hot take, Switzerland. You've not already. Yep. I'll, take wow. that as a, I'll take that as a France from you. Yeah, it's a France from me. And Croatia, Spain. The other 50% of my hot take, Croatia. Oh, wow, sir. Uh, Spain. So, so let, let's start here. Let's start. Let's go back to that France-Switzerland game then. Why do you think Switzerland are, are going to get through past France? He wants airtime. That's why. <laughs> um, maybe not quite to the same extreme of this, but I, I feel there's um, you know the the local rivalry type feel to the game. I, I feel that helps get Switzerland up for it. Last time they played each other um, in competition, it finished nil nil. I could see something similar happening. Um, Switzerland being very organised, very hard to break down. France want to be the team that defends and breaks, as we've seen seen them do against Germany and Portugal in the group. They they try to make the game as, as boring as possible, effectively. The, the boring game suits them. Um, as far as them nullifying what the opponent offers, um, but Switzerland will be in a, a, you know, better poised to do that, I think, as far as they are the weaker team. Uh, France will have to come to them. And, um, you know, they didn't find themselves in a good spot against Hungary in that situation. And, think Switzerland will hold on if they get themselves a goal ahead and, and if it means that's an extra time, if it means it's going to penalties, I think there's a lot more pressure on France to come through that game and I think we wave bye-bye to them in this round. So, Ox, if we were looking for your quick rebuttal to that, I presume you're just going to tell people to rewind two minutes to when you were talking about how France have a squad full of game winners and they're going to really get going in this tournament. Exactly, exactly right. Um, I saw nothing from Switzerland. We've already said that Group A... Um, you know, Turkey were terrible. Yes, Switzerland won that game, but, but Turkey were awful. They conceded against Turkey. Um, Italy have picked him apart and they missed, they missed chances against Wales and drew, drew with Wales. So, yes, you can, you can say that France were, you know, nervy against Hungary, but I just think the fact that they've played Germany, they've played Portugal, they can now really kick on in the tournament knowing their path to the final. They've done what they needed to do. They've not lost a the game. They've got the points on the board. They've topped the group. Maybe that wasn't what they were int intended with the whole, you know, draw thing. But regardless, they've topped the group without losing, um, which you would you would you would argue was probably their one of their toughest tests if they want to win this tournament. I think in knockout football, France are more suited to it. I think seeing a group on paper of France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary um, would have been that would have been the most alarming bit for them pre-tournament. But I think the likes of Mbappe, Griezmann. You know, even Osman Dembele, Pogba's been playing well. Uh, France have never lost a game, by the way, when Pogba and Kante have started together. 30 games, 30 international games. France have never lost a game when they've played together. And you'd fully expect them to do that for the rest of the tournament. So that's a pretty impressive run that needs to be broken if they're going to go out. I just don't think Switzerland is the team to do it. You know, I'm, I'm going to award that argument to serve purely because Osman Dembele has gone home with a long-term injury and is having surgery in the immediate future, so I'm not sure he's going to be the game changer you need. That's... <laughs> no, I was, I'm the, I was I'm on the spot with panicking. I I'm sad was... with you on that. I think there's so much in that France squad, and I think I always enjoy seeing Pogba play for France almost as much as I don't enjoy seeing him play for Man U, because when he's got someone next to him in Kante, he can just be that sort of Rolls-Royce real player that he is. Let's turn to the other part of your hot take then, and, and very quickly, Croatia-Spain. Are Spain losing that game, or are Croatia winning that game for you? Um, Spain losing that game. I, I think it's uh, uh, Croatia are, are not Slovakia. Um, they've got too much experience for that. And I, I just think 
the only time Spain have looked legitimately good is when Slovakia completely rolled over. Aside from that, they've been unable really to, to break teams down and, and make that possession count for anything. And I think Croatia will give them a, a very tough opponent to break down. I think they'll offer, offer more going forward than Spain have been up against in the group as well. And, and again, similarly to the thought behind Switzerland, I think Spain will find themselves frustrated and we'll be saying bye-bye to them pretty early. That's certainly the half of your hot take that I can see happening a bit more than the other half. Um, so the, there are two other ties in this this group, uh, this half of the draw. Obviously, Italy, Austria, I think we're probably all in a bit of unanimous agreement that Italy are just a level above Austria. Yeah. Should see their way through that one. And then it feels strange to, to suddenly have Belgium, Portugal not be one of the ones we talk about loads in this, this section. Um, but for time, we're probably not going to. But um, I would back Belgium. I think they're a more complete squad in Portugal and I think they seem to have have got that momentum that the Portugal don't have um, yeah any, any any quick thoughts on that game other than watch it the Ronaldo <laughs> effect for me I think um, yeah again as good as as good as Belgium are I agree with everything you say in there I think there are question marks as we alluded to when we were talking about the the group phase of how good they are at the back and I just think Portugal have got so many game winners going forward you can see Jota, I mean, they benched Bruno Fernandes in the last game and he was arguably the best player in the Premier League last year. Um, Just don't name anyone who's got major surgery coming up and missing the rest of the tournament like I did, mate, all right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's let's move quickly on from that. That was it. Yeah, Let's move quickly on from our uh, injury chat. And let's look at the nice side of the draw. Um, And I'm going to do the same thing again. Ops, I'll go to you first this time. Um, I'm just going to read you those four fixtures. Just tell me one word who you think is going through. Sweden and Ukraine. Uh, Sweden. England, Germany. I've got to say England, haven't I? Do you know what? So if I've skipped you on that first one. Are you going Sweden or Ukraine? I'll, uh, I think I'll join you, Ox, on that. Just about Sweden, but almost flip a coin on that one. And are you joining the England camp as well? I have to, yeah, I have to. You have predicted at the start of this tournament that England would go out in the round of 16 to Germany. So <laughs> you're going to win either way, I guess. Um, back to you for Netherlands, Czech Republic. Uh, I'm going to say the Czech Republic. Seth? Netherlands. And finally, Wales, Denmark. I, I fear... I, sorry, Welsh fans. I fear well, Wales could do well in this, but I, I've got to lean towards Denmark. Denmark too, for me. Cool. So let's um, let's hold off talking about England Germany for a while, um, because again we'll, we'll talk about that for days, and I think we spent a lot of time in England. So I think there's a lot of intriguing matchups in this this side of the draw. Obviously, like it does look a little bit weaker on paper with some of the teams. I think Wales versus Denmark is, is a very interesting one, in that you've probably got two teams there who coming into the tournament would say reaching the quarterfinals, if not you know a wild dream was certainly a success. Um, and for me, I think you're looking at Denmark look like a very solid team. Perhaps, you know, part of that is the context around what's happened. And Wales seem to obviously rely on some of their stars. Rely on Aaron Ramsey, who I think has played very well. Rely on Gareth Bale, who I think generally has played very well. And they also rely on Big Kiefer Moore up top, who's, who's you know, offered a different dynamic in this tournament. Um, I think I would side with Denmark, but... I would say, and I don't know if the two of you would agree, that this is one of the closest probably games in this round. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it is a real, real close matchup. I think you've, you've exactly what you've alluded to there. But Wales have got some some talent and, and are going to pose some serious problems for Denmark. But then you've got this, um, you know, togetherness of, of of Denmark after everything that happened with Ericsson, and um, they, they've looked very good. They, had a, they were, in my opinion, they were very unfortunate for. Um, in the game against Belgium, they put in a really good performance and a, a big part of that. Um, and I think it's worth giving him a shout out was uh, Damsgaard coming in. Um, obviously, huge boots to fill, but he's been a very able and energetic replacement in that kind of number 10 foil to the striker kind of role. And um, he's had a lot of creativity, but but maybe more importantly for them, a lot of energy in that role, as, as we said. And Came up with yep. an, an Ericsson-esque goal in that last game as well. Absolute world, he won it. Um, so yeah, he, he can or, or they can in turn cause Wales tons of problems too. And I, I lean towards Denmark because I, I feel like they've 
potentially just a, a bit more of a complete package overall. But can't rule Wales out while they've got the likes of Ramsey and Bale in there. Yeah, for me, it's it's it's, it's a fine balance for for Denmark in the sense that it's it's naturally going to be an emotional tournament for them. Um, having Ericsson, you know, his when he was in hospital, he was close to the stadium. Obviously, he's now going to be at home, uh, having been discharged and watching the game. Um, I just wondered originally how tough would it be for them to replace him? A game like a game like Wales, you could conceivably see going nil nil quite late on, and teams needing a little bit of spark, which is where Ericsson would step up as the main man for them. Um, Damsgaard, as you said, has, has, has come in. And, and, and showing glimpses that he can fill those boots. It's all about can he do it on a consistent basis? Um, that would be the only question mark. And that's assuming that Denmark do need a spark to get past Wales. But again, as we've, as we've all alluded to, this, is, this could be a cagey game that maybe needs a little bit of magic. And if you look at it big picture, you could argue and potentially lean towards the likes of Bale and Ramsey providing that, or even big Kiefer Moore up top, nicking a header, um, it'll be a tight one, but again, I'm leaning towards Denmark just on the just on the occasion. Yeah, and I think looking at the others, I think we spoke about the Netherlands and the Czech Republic a little bit, and this being maybe the Netherlands' first real test. So, in case you know, unless anyone has something to, to really add to that, I think that's probably one we can you know pass over a little bit and, and move on to to Sweden, Ukraine, which again could be an interesting one. I personally don't see Sweden having any trouble. I think Ukraine are the worst of the teams remaining. I don't think they offer much. Like I say, they, they are through on the merit of having beaten North Macedonia, which to me, no offence to North Macedonia, but shouldn't be uh, the, <laughs> the test for being one of the 16 best teams in Europe. Um, yeah, any thoughts around this game? Uh, that could be a point to us equally as well. I mean, you're right. Sweden probably should should win this game probably will win this game. Um, but knockout football at a major tournament, Ukraine could, you know, you might see something else from Yarmolenko where he's curled one into the top corner from 25 yards. You know, th- th- this is where things like that really, really count now. Obviously, they, they, they account for a lot in the group stage, but if something goes against you like that, you have like two games to make up for it. Or, but, it, but in this now, if Yarmolenko puts one in the top corner from 25 yards with 20 minutes to play, you could be out of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I think ju- just to add to that, exactly on your Yarmolenko point there, I think Ukraine have got a couple of those. And uh, Malinovsky is a, a player to watch. Your Ramchuk's put the ball in the, in the back of the net a couple of times already. And uh, I don't know, I think this is a bit more of a 50-50 game. Uh, I I picked Sweden, but I think it's close. I've not been blown away by Sweden at all. And I know Ukraine have been average at best so far, but they offer enough of a threat where they could, you know, it wouldn't be a shock if they found a way past Sweden. Yeah, um, I think let's take a turn then and look at the, the final game that we haven't talked about. And I'd say we'll try and not talk about this one for hours. And uh, that's England-Germany. And that will be played at Wembley. Um, for anyone wondering why... England are the only team who get to play at home in this round. This game should have been at Dublin, uh, which is, all of their games got nixed due to COVID restrictions in Ireland. Um, so maybe that's an advantage for England there. For me, I know the two of you have said England. I would say Germany. And to keep this brief, I don't think England threaten enough. I think Harry Kane is, is not in great form. He's a great player, but he's not in great form. He looks a little bit burnt out, whether that's fitness, whether that's transfer speculation. Um, I don't know, but he looks a little bit burnt out. And I'm not sure in a, in a one-on-one game, and we talked about this with Scotland and rivalries and things like this, and this is a rivalry that means so much more to England than it does to Germany. I, I can see yeah. players at home getting getting in their own heads and in Germany with you know what they've done against Hungary. I know they wouldn't have wanted to come from 1-0 down and then 2-1 down. Does that play into it? I don't think this is a lock for Germany, but... I, I struggle to see England really changing from the way they played, and I struggle to see that way of playing working against a significantly better side than any team they've played so far. Well, I would be remiss in such esteemed company not to provide a hot take of my own. And my hot take is that England win this game in a penalty shootout. Wow. That's, that's what I'm going for. Boiling hot. I'm going for Gareth Southgate, you know, 25 years ago. 
missing the penalty against Germany in Euro 96 semi-finals. 25, fast forward 25 years, England beat the Germans in a penalty shootout to put history to bed. I can see the game, be, as you said, it's a, it's a derby, or it's a rivalry, which means a lot more to England than it does to Germany. Uh, I think Wembley could play into it. I think an atmospheric um, benefit for England there could, could assist them. Equally, you know, we heard it, particularly in the Scotland game, the fans getting on their back and, and, and booing if things weren't going well. So it could also be a sort of perverse negative for them. Uh, I think the game will be, obviously, I think it's going to be a penalty shootout victory. I genuinely maintain that. Um, it will be, it's obviously, therefore, it's going to be a draw. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a 1-1 draw after 90 and seeing it through to the, to the penalty shootout. Um, but I think it's going to be, I think Germany will probably dominate most of the game realistically and then England will try and counter-attack but Germany will just have that little bit of bit of nous about them to keep it at bay for the most part and so have anything to, to add before we uh, stop on this England chat before we turn it into a full England podcast yeah just a couple a couple of quick things on that I think as good as, as Germany are with the ball I, I think they're pretty suspect at the back and I think they'll be Cautious in their approach against England. I can't see him going to attacking or committing as many players forward as they did consistently in the Hungary game. Um, and as we've seen, Hungary did catch him, well, a number of times. Obviously, they stuck the ball in the back of the net twice, took the lead twice in that game. And Germany were definitely vulnerable and that England have got a lot more talent to, to capitalise on that. So I just think Germany's approach may be a little more cautious than, than we may be expecting. Um, the second thing I just wanted to touch on, I don't know if you saw Gary Neville's uh, lineup for uh, or suggested lineup for the England Germany game. Did not, no. No. He had uh, he had England changing to match systems and basically approaching with the the three four three situation. Now uh, I guess I just wanted to throw it out there. It was it, it was interesting, but at this point, given that we've been playing four two three one four three three, however you want to want to look at the system, it uh, depends on the the middle three, I guess. How you. You define their roles, but um, I, I personally think it would be a mistake to, to change system at this point since we've not used it for a while and trying to match up effectively man for man against Germany. I, I don't think ends too well for us. I've got confidence in the midfielders, but putting Phillips and, and Declan Rice up against, you know, Tony Cruz for one, um, I, I think Cruz wins those battles. Um, the unflappable would not be bothered about playing against either of those guys. <laughs> Um, uh, and again, I, yeah, it wouldn't be a smart move to me. I'd be a little nervous if I, if I see England with a, a different system when the lineups come out for that one. I'm, I'm hoping we we set up as we're hopefully getting used to at this point and, and are ready to offer a good threat potentially on the break. But um, you know, I, I think we will offer a good threat against Germany in this one. I just want to just add one thing here as well. Conceivably, this could be. Jürgen Love's final game in charge of Germany. Could this, and this could be another hot take, more of a spe- it's more of a speculative hot take, could this potentially be Gareth Southgate's last game in charge of England? If England were to get knocked out by Germany in the round of 16, is that a failure? You could suggest it is, and England managers have been sacked for a lot less. So I'm just going to put that out there. If we get punched, potentially. If not, I, I think he's, he's got another tournament in him at least. Well, on a hot take note, before we move on to look at stats and predictions and, and how we've done on our predictions, for the two of you have given me your hot takes, um, so I should give you mine. Yes. I, I think Sweden are going to make the final of this tournament. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I think that I don't think Ukraine are going to offer them any trouble. I think that's as much on Ukraine as Sweden. Whoever goes throughout of England and Germany... Sweden have shown more in this tournament in playing a similar way than England. They've played a similar way to England, but have had more of a threat up top in Isak and in Forsberg in the last game as well. I don't see them, you know, I can see them. That's probably the hardest thing. And then you're looking at who would they have in a semi-final. Well, we've talked here about how the Czech Republic might be the Netherlands. We've talked here about how Wales and Denmark is a close game, but probably not at the top, you know, the top table of teams. I can easily see a path to Sweden where they make it through this tournament by being well-disciplined, by having a couple of players who can do something. I think there is a lot to say, as you said about tournament football earlier, Ox. I think there's a lot to say for that. I think the teams in this side of the group, when you look at Germany, when you look at England, who they next play up, 
they struggle to get past organised teams. And I think that is what Sweden offer. Now, they're probably now said they're going to go out, you know, <laughs> on, uh, next Tuesday. Um, but I look at it and I think they, to me, if I had to pick one team in that side of the draw to make the final and lose to Italy, as whoever is on this side of the draw will do, then I would go for Sweden. That is a hot take. That is definitely a hot take. That's I'm so always good for them. True to form. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll leave you in some stunned silence there. And we'll move to look back at some of our, our predictions, um, which probably doesn't bode well for me, given I've just made a bold prediction. As I said earlier, Poland, my dark horses, have not made it out of the group. Scotland, seven dark horses have not made it out of the group. And Ox didn't really pick a dark horse. He just said that North Macedonia, something will happen. And it happened. Did it not? I don't, I don't know if a goal counts or two goals counts as something happening. I, for me, it does. If you're North Macedonian, you've scored two goals in this tour. You, you would be happy with one goal. They've I got two. That that counts. We're going to have to disagree on that. Uh, it's a shot. <laughs> a goal in a football fix. match is not a shot. Absolute <laughs> fix. Let, let's look at some of the other things we predicted. We predicted top scorers. I predicted Robert Lewandowski. He scored two goals and gone home. Uh, has predicted Harry Kane who has scored <laughs> zero goals he's missed one good chance and done you very didn't give else. me an opportunity to talk about his hat-trick against Germany oh, oh you think that's coming to you in that cagey game in that case Chiro Mobile is getting seven against Austria there I win <laughs> putting down for three expected goals and Chiro Mobile does have two goals from two games he didn't play the third game uh, Props, not good enough. but he's, so, he's three behind Ronaldo He's three behind Ronaldo. Like Ronaldo's probably going to run away with it. Unless he goes home. Well, yeah. Yeah, And the other people up there in in that chart, you've obviously got uh, Patrick Schick. He is going through. He's got three goals. Forsberg for Sweden with three. Lukaku, Wijnaldum, who seems to do everything for this Netherlands team, has got three. Oh, Lewandowski got three, not two. So technically I am winning. So that's how I I'll look at this. I'll give you that. So you're well, saying... You did score eight in the say, qualifiers, by the way. If nobody gets it right, forget your qualifiers. Forget your qualifiers. <laughs> Let's just focus. So we're saying that if we don't, nobody calls the winner, the most goals of the players that we selected is classified as the winner. Well, for me, personally, it'd be best on a goals per game situation, but I think we just have to go on... Oh, you would goals. say. It. You've got to be raw number of goals. Yeah. Um... And then there's another thing we predicted here as well. We predicted on yellow cards and red cards. Now, let's deal with the yellow cards first. Um, there have been 97 yellow cards in the 36 games oh, we've I'm seen so good. far. But 44 of them have just gone home. 44 of those yellow cards come from the six teams that have gone home. So a quarter of the teams have put up nearly half the goals. The dirtiest four teams in the tournament have gone home, and Russia and Finland are the two nicer teams of those that have gone home. Uh, so Turkey, when they were losing, just resorted to kicking lumps out of people and I believe had the most yellow cards. The average there actually does work out pretty much perfectly for you. Wow. Um, so what we actually need to have, everybody else apart from Ox went for over 200 yellow cards. Ox went for 186. We need about seven a game over the next game <laughs> to, from that 2.7 that we're currently at for anyone other than Ox to win this. And, and that tells a story that passes on to our red cards as well. There have been two red <laughs> cards so far. There have been the for um, Poland and there's been Ethan Ampadu's for Wales. Go on, sir. Arnautovic, does that count as a red card? He was suspended for a game for his celebration. It's suspension is not a red card. He wasn't like, you, are, you are scraping so many barrels this podcast. So I, due to a yeah, clerical error, he was suspended. He wasn't showing a red card. This is concerning. Concerning that you don't know this. This is unbelievable. Um, I predicted 21 red cards due to a clerical error. So I do now need 19 red cards from the remaining 15 games. Again, there is a brawl coming. There is a brawl coming, but I'm going to need probably three or four brawls. Um, I think other people picked relatively normal amounts. Sev, you picked nine, which seems high. Ox, you picked six, which also seems high. Um, and then let's talk about goals, the things we're all actually here for. Uh, we're on course for 134 goals. Oh, baby. 94. Ox predicted 130. Sev predicted 124. 131, predicted thank you. 131, and I predicted 116. So it really depends on how cagey it gets as we go through. Now, I will say that has been fairly recently skewed. The final group game in whatever group Spain and Sweden were in, 
uh, that Ooh. day. There was like 20 goals. goals that day. Yeah. yeah, 20 goals that day. I think before that, it was actually leaning towards yours, Chad. I think it was in like the 2.1 region. So that that bonkers game game day has really skewed that number upwards. So you could argue that, that it's probably not going to be going to stay at that. Obviously, you get to the knockout football, which is going to be a, maybe more cagey and a bit more, um, you know, a few tight games. But uh, yeah, I'm looking good. I'm looking good on these predictions, man. I think the, the other interesting things about the goals there is eight of those goals have been scored in the wrong net. Of those 97 goals, eight of them have been own goals. There have only been nine own goals in the history of the Euros going back to 1960 until this tournament. Love that. So one more goal, one more own goal, perhaps Harry came in the wrong net in that <laughs> will mean that this tournament has equaled every other tournament um, added up. Why that is, I do not know. I mean, maybe the Bradford just wanted to be part of the fun. That's why he went for his one. Um, but yeah, we did predict own goals, but it might be one for the, for the next time out. Um, Ox, can I just get your goalkeeper point of view on that Dubravka? Against Spain? Yeah. Didn't watch it, mate, unfortunately. I've still not seen it. So uh, for the next one, I'll see it and explain why mine Dubravka was not at fault. <laughs> if you can do that, it will be a miracle. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, on a, on a final note, we don't have any update on the tiny car's whereabouts. We no. presume he's still trucking his way to London for the final, but we think would want to spot him. I don't know where else he'd be. Do you have um, any, any Zambia updates, Sev? Uh, no Zambia updates. We will keep you posted, though, as we are you know, set on making the top 100. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, then, on that lofty goal, I think that probably wraps it up for today. The games for the round of 16 start on Saturday and run through Tuesday. Um, should be a, a really interesting set of games as we talked about. Um, but, Sev, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for hosting. Ox, same to you. Thank you, sir. Pleasure as always. Um, and, yeah, let's all cheer on Sweden as they make that final. See you <laughs> next time. Cheers. <laughs>